When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All of us, the U.S. Women's Soccer Show from Goal. Hello, hello, and welcome to All of Us, the U.S. Women's Soccer Show. My name is Seth Bertelny. Joining me, Amy Ruskai. We are here to break down the U.S.'s 6-1 win over New Zealand and what comes next. Amy, before we kind of dive into it, uh, quick thoughts on this performance today from the U.S. I think that it was obviously better in so many ways, Um, maybe especially the fact that they didn't get picked apart for the first 20 minutes, but I do think there were still some concerns in there. I still think that New Zealand posed quite a few questions and if they'd have been a more clinical team then it could have been a totally different result I mean at the end of the day they didn't take um, all the chances they had and the scoreline flattered the US a bit but they created lots of chances and they scored lots of goals yeah for sure Uh, let's kind of review what we just saw the U.S. gets an early goal from Rose Lavelle, which certainly calmed the nerves after they failed to score against Sweden. But after that, for the rest of the first half, they, they kind of struggled to, to really uh, get a lot of great chances on goal. Of course, they had four goals go in, all disallowed for offside. Unprecedented there, but uh, eventually, right before halftime, they did find the back of the net through Lindsey Horan, and I think that that really kind of set them on their way. Um, in the second half, you know, they they get another goal. Um, they're up 3-0. Looks like they're, they're cruising. Then New Zealand pulls one back um, after some pretty disastrous play from, from Abby Dahlkemper at the back. Um, at that point, it's 3-1, to one and, and you kind of felt like that scoreline seemed more indicative of, of – what the the run of play was like uh, in this game. But then the U.S. kind of piled it on late. They scored three times after the 80th minute. So we ended with that 6-1 to scoreline, which Amy, as you mentioned, uh, was in the end pretty flattering for the, for the U.S. Yeah, I think in the second half, New Zealand just didn't lose their way a little bit, but the U.S. started to pile the pressure on a lot more than they did in the first half. I think that New Zealand were quite encouraged by the start that they made to the game. And, you know, there was a really funny moment, actually, where I think Hannah Wilkinson forced Naya into a really good save uh, low down to her right, I think. And she was almost laughing as if, like, I can't believe I just nearly scored against the US. Like, this is, you know, it's almost shocked that there were sort of these gaps that were opening up. I mean, I guess the gaps maybe weren't so much of a surprise considering there were changes in the back line. 
Um, but yeah, I think in the second half, especially with the quality of the substitutes that the US can bring on, they did start to turn the screw a little bit and start to pile the goals on, even if a couple of them were fortunate with the um, the own goals that went in. Yeah, Kristen Press in particular just kind of took over. She came on late and really showed why she's been the US's best attacking player over the last year or two. But certainly, as, as you mentioned, um, some, some worrying signs in the back and things that have kind of carried over from the Sweden game. You know, I, I think in the Sweden game, you could say maybe it was a blip, maybe it was just some early tournament jitters, um, but now it's a trend, um, particularly um, their failure to, to mark runners out of the midfield. They seem to be losing players in the box uh, a little too easily. Uh, and, and New Zealand nearly scored before halftime through Wilkinson. Haran, about a minute later, gets the U.S.'s second goal. But this was a game that could have easily gone into halftime one-to-one. Uh, and if that were the case, uh, New Zealand all of a sudden has a ton of belief coming out into the second half. And, and who knows what would have happened after that. Yeah, I think they would have had something to hold on to as well. You know, like they would have been able to sort of sit back and go, we, you know, we've got a one-one here. Whereas the way it was, they were constantly losing the game, so they constantly had to try and score a goal. So the gaps were going to open up. They couldn't sit back just in a whole block and part the bus basically because they weren't getting anything from the game at that point. And one player that I wanted to to mention. Uh, who I think really stood out to me for the for the U.S. was Rose Lavelle. This was the kind of game that she really thrives in, uh, where the opponent is giving her some some time and space on the ball and allowing her to find those pockets of space between the midfield and the back line that she exploits so well. She was the U.S.'s best player while she was on the field. Um, she scored the opener. She had a great assist to Haran that was waved off for an offside that was really, really close. It looked like on the broadcast that it was the wrong call, but actually uh, it was the right call. But Lavelle kind of underlined her her importance to this team. And, you know, we talk about this problem that the U.S. has in the midfield, if you want to call it a problem. There's three spots and four world-class players in, in Haran, Lavelle, Ertz, and Mewis. And, and who gets left out is always kind of a, a big question leading into any game. Um, but today I think Lavelle showed why, um, particularly when they're playing against opponents that are going to sit back, um, she's got to start. Yeah, and I think it's so fun to watch her sort of like go through that process of looking for the pocket, picking the ball up in the pocket, looking for the space to, to find the forwards, to find the runners. Um, she's so brilliant at it. She's absolutely world-class at it. And I think, obviously, we didn't see much of it with Manchester City this year for a, a multitude of reasons. Um, so, yeah, it is, it is fun to just watch her sort of Sort of solve the problems, really. Yeah, maybe playing her in her natural position is a good idea. I don't know. Just a maybe. thought. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the, the, the U.S., uh, certainly this was an improved performance. I, I think I don't want to take anything away from, from their attack because against Sweden, um, you know, they got shut out and it was the first time in four years that they hadn't scored a goal. So, so scoring six goals is... Nothing to sniff at, even though three of them came late and they were going against some, some tired defenders. But, but certainly this was a, a display that, that showed just the range of options that the, you ha- the U.S. has in attack. You know, you look at, at Lloyd and Rapino and, and, and Heath starting, but then Morgan and Press coming off the bench is just 
kind of too much for anyone to deal with. Uh, those two players as substitutes is kind of unfair. And, and certainly, you know, we can talk a little bit more about some of the issues that they have organizing in the back. But uh, from an attacking point of view, um, this was an encouraging sign coming off uh, a shutout defeat. Yeah, I think as well for press, we obviously, you know, press has been in such good form this year for the US. And I think, you know, we aren't alone in the in the first episode. We really sort of big this up as this could be her tournament. This could be her breakout where she's starting, she's scoring, she's the star. Obviously, the way the first game went didn't really go in that sort of narrative. But I think... To, for her to come off the bench and have the sort of impact she did, like her her goal was absolutely brilliant, the way it was taken. Do you know, I think that this could be really sort of big confidence boost for her. And, you know, if she comes in and starts the next game and she's off the back of a, a performance like that and the form she's been in, like it was really nice to see because when you watch Kristen Press play at her best, like there are a few more fun players to sort of watch in the world, I think. Yeah, I, I think this is really her time to shine in, in the U.S.'s forward line. Uh, you know, we saw at the, the last World Cup, she was kind of that super sub, but the way that she's been playing over the last year or two, you have to imagine that when is putting together his first choice lineup in a game that, that needs to be won, that, that press is going to be in that lineup, and then it's kind of between Rapino and Heath as to who gets uh, the start on the other side. But I wanted to also highlight, uh, before we, we take our first break, um, the performance of Julie Ertz, somebody that we've talked about before as, as one of, if not the most important players on, on the uh, U.S. roster. Um, she came back from a, a knee injury against Sweden. She came on at halftime. It was her first appearance in in more than two months, and I think there were definitely some questions over how fit she was. Um, she hadn't played in any of the friendlies um, leading up to the Olympics. And then today, she actually gets the start. Um, and not only does she start the game, but she goes the full match and gets a couple of assists. How encouraged should the U.S. be by, by Ertz's display today? I think they'll definitely be encouraged that when she went down and I think it was Ali Riley that challenged her and she went down and she held a knee for a second and I think the US probably had a collective gasp the whole country sort of watching the year because you know you didn't want to see her being sidelined again because she's so important and I think it is encouraging that she made it through the whole 90. I think if she if Vladko had concerns about her fitness he would have taken her off, especially as it sort of went to 3-0. Like, so you would think that she is in good shape to be able to play the final game because they will need her to play that final game against Australia. Yeah, absolutely. Let's take our first break, and we will be back on all of us to discuss the U.S.'s win even further over New Zealand. All of us, the U.S. Women's Soccer Show from Goal. Get the latest news and views on the U.S. Women's National Team and the NWSL on Goal. All of us, the U.S. Women's Soccer Show from Goal. Find more U.S. Women's Soccer news and opinion on Goal. All right, welcome back to All of Us, the U.S. Women's Soccer Show. Just a reminder to hit subscribe to make sure you do not miss any episodes wherever you get your podcasts. I want to get into the backline issues a little bit more. Um, you know, we saw these against Sweden, as I mentioned in part one, 
And you could say maybe it was due to the quality of the opponent. Maybe it was due to some early Olympics jitters. Um, but now it's been two games in a row. And I think that it's a real issue um, just in terms of missing markers and sloppy giveaways at the back and some disorganization. And it seems like probably the number one concern coming out of the first two games now that the attacking issues seem to have been shored up a little bit. And I wonder, Amy, um, are you at all surprised to see a team that normally puts up clean sheets on the regular just looks so disjointed in the back, not just against... Uh, you know, a world-class opponent like Sweden, but even today against a, a team that's not nearly as good in New Zealand. Yeah, I think the biggest surprise was the fact that Juliet's was back. So, like, the first game, it was like, oh, well, you know, they're missing Juliet's. It's clear that they're missing Juliet's. If Juliet's is in there, none of this exists. But realistically, to have her in there and this, the sloppy giveaway of the ball at the back was strange again. Um, and I think as well, we talked about last time, the lack of pace um, was exploited a little bit. And that's a strange one because it's like you can't really do anything if you don't have the pacey centre-backs, then you don't have them. And so it's a case of, you know, do they need to play a little bit deeper? Do they not, you know, it's it's a strange one because, like I said, you can't suddenly just go click your fingers and give the pace to the centre-backs that you wish you have. Yeah, I have to say, I, I was a little surprised to see Becky Sauerbrunn not start this game, um, even though we knew that Vlatko was going to rotate the team uh, to take off um, his captain and kind of the, the key organizer in that back line was a little bit surprising to me. Um, I kind of figured that Becky was just going to play every minute of this Olympics, and I'm, I'm assuming that she'll be back in against Australia, but... Maybe her center-back partner now is a little bit more of an open question after Abby Dahlkemper, who is normally so reliable. I think anybody would consider her one of the best center-backs in the world, but she's kind of had a nightmare start to the Olympics, and that was perfectly displayed on New Zealand's goal today, where Dahlkemper not only makes a mess of a clearance, but then she stumbles as she's trying to recover to, to give New Zealand kind of an easy route into goal. We saw Dahl Kemper start alongside Tierna Davidson today, and I think Tierna Davidson had a pretty strong game. She's somebody uh, of whom big things are expected in the future. She's the youngest player on this team, but uh, I'm wondering now if maybe the future is now in terms of, of giving Davidson uh, a chance to, to really solidify a starting role on this team moving forward in this Olympics. Yeah, I think the big sort of question is who does Vlatko trust to, not sort of trust, but I guess see as the perfect person to mark Sam Kerr? Because whoever starts alongside Becky Sauber in this next game, you know, one of their jobs is going to be to mark Sam Kerr, one of the best forwards in the world. Um, somebody with a lot of pace, somebody who's good in the air, somebody who can hold the ball up. Um, Dal Kemper has played against her in the league with Man City. Um, and so has a little bit of experience in there. Obviously has this sort of higher pedigree in terms of the experience she has with the US and the level she's played to with them compared to Davidson. Um, I guess it's a call for Vlatko whether, you know, if you take Dal Kemper out after she had a bit of a poor start to the tournament, is it something that's going to crush her confidence? Is it, you know, 
going to fire her up? Is she going to understand that, no, you know, Tina's the better fit for this game? So it'd be interesting to see how he responds and what sort of team he does pick. Yeah, and I'm, I'm kind of wondering how much blame can be laid at the feet of Vlatko for, for this defensive disorganization that we've seen in the first two games. I mean, usually the U.S. has enough veteran leadership out there to to sort out any issues that might crop up, but um, it, it seems like the U.S. just hasn't been adequately prepared for how opponents are going to go at them um, in attack, uh, particularly with some of those late runs out of the midfield. And, and I'm wondering uh, if you think any of the blame needs to be laid at Vlaco's feet and, and what kind of adjustments can and should be made moving forward to, to prevent opponents from exploiting them in, in the fashion that they have. I think one thing that surprised me about the preparation for these games was the games that were played, the sort of friendlies that were organised. I know that it's in a pandemic and it restricts the sort of people that you can invite over and all that sort of thing, but I was surprised at the way that the US played quite a lot of weak, well, weaker opposition than they faced. I mean, Sweden and Australia are two of the top nations in the world and, you know... They, they sort of prepared for this this tournament by playing against a lot of the weaker op- opponents. And so whether the defence has really been tested that much, whether, you know, in the build-up to these games is something I think you can question. Um, I don't know if it's something, obviously it's something that you can't really change now. Um, but I was, yeah, that was something that I thought going into the games. And, you know, you watch the USB so formidable and then you thought, oh, no, it's just a nagging concern. It's not really going to be a concern. But, you know, from these first couple of games, maybe it, Maybe it has come back to bite them a little bit. Yeah, it does seem also like their their mentality has not been exactly where it needs to be in, in either of these games. And I'm wondering if, if the, the step up and the level um, maybe has something to do with it. You know, against Sweden, they seem to get down a little bit too easily and the, their confidence was just shaken for the entire game today they were just flying all over the field, but maybe just a little bit too jittery, in the, especially in that first half. Um, it, it looked like they really had a, a point to prove, but maybe they were trying to prove it a, a little too much all at once uh, rather than let the game come to them. And, and I'm wondering if maybe in Australia we can, we can find um, a little bit more of a balance for the U.S. In, in terms of being aggressive and being on the front foot and looking to assert themselves um, but also doing so in a way that, that demonstrates the confidence that they've built over the last decade to show that they've, you know, that they're the, the best team in the world and, and should be respected as such. Yeah, I think maybe some of the jitters today came from just knowing that you haven't won your first game, which is something that a lot of these players probably aren't used to that much. Um, you know, I think Hope said it in the first episode that, there are always nerves going into every tournament um, and, you know, it's it's a normal thing. So I guess probably knowing that, well, we haven't won a game yet and New Zealand are causing us a few problems, it might just a little bit jittery, but um, I think now that they have this win under their belts, that they scored six goals, um, I think that they should be a lot more calm and composed in the third game against Australia. Um 
unless Australia come at them in a similar fashion to Sweden or how the New Zealand tried to do today, that might unsettle them a little bit. Yeah. What were your takeaways from Australia's game against uh, Sweden today? Uh, Amy, you are blessed by being in the uh, UK time zone and we're able to watch it at a reasonable hour. I, for one, was not waking up at 4 a.m. again uh like i did for the u.s sweden game so i did not catch this one but sweden defeats australia four to two um you know what what were your takeaways in terms of um things that you saw that australia could could use to hurt the u.s and and maybe some vulnerabilities that they might have too i think they looked really calm and confident i mean it would have been really easy for them to come out um against sweden and be a little bit worried and a bit not scared but you know the fact that they've put up such a result against the US in the first game will have been in the back of their head. Um, they look calm, they look confident, they played some really nice football. They actually went down 1-0 and yet they came back and they went 2-1 up. Um, they should have had another penalty as well, um, I think before the second goal, um, if I remember rightly. So they look good um, and their defence has improved a lot. Um, from the first games that uh, Gustafsson took with them. Um, but it is still a bit of a problem. Um, they didn't really play with sort of a pure holding midfielder. They're, a lot of the time they seem to ask Emily van Egmond, who is a more creative sort of number 10, they seem to ask her to play a bit deeper, which she can do, but it's not her strength. Um, they seem to lack that a bit. Um, but they have got so many weapons that can hurt teams. I mean, they've got Sam Kerr. Sam Kerr scored two goals today. Uh, she missed a penalty. Well, had a penalty saved. It wasn't a great penalty, but she scored two goals um, and she was brilliant. And, you know, Caitlin Ford's coming off the back of a fantastic spell with Arsenal. She looked really good. And you've got players like uh, Ellie Carpenter with the pace that they have that looking at this US team and a lack of pace, you know, could, could hurt them. Yeah, I remember in the first episode we talked about how it was potentially a worry that Sam Kerr had not scored uh, under Tony Gustafsson. And I think it's safe to say that is no longer a worry. Uh, Three goals in her first two games. uh, And she looks every bit the player that that she is. And and certainly somebody that uh, the U.S. is going to have to take very, very seriously as an attacking threat in the next game. Um, I want to talk about the next game a little bit more in our next segment. um, But let's take... Our second break, and when we come back, we will look more at Australia as well as some of the other action um, in the uh, women's tournament today. All of us, the U.S. Women's Soccer Show from Goal. Find more U.S. Women's Soccer news and opinion on Goal. All of us, the U.S. Women's Soccer Show from Goal. Get the latest news and views on the U.S. Women's National Team and the NWSL on Goal. All right, welcome back to All of Us, the U.S. Women's Soccer Show. Uh, Before we look at some of the other games today, I do want to throw it forward a bit more to the U.S.-Australia game. I think an important factor from the game today against New Zealand is the U.S. managed to score six goals, so they turned that negative three goal differential after the first game into a positive two goal differential. And that means that the U.S. only needs a draw, it looks like, to secure second place in the group, um, which is 
not what they were expecting uh, going into the tournament, but you, you have to expect that Sweden is going to be able to beat New Zealand, and if they do that, they will finish first in the group. Uh, but I know the U.S. is never going to play for a draw, and certainly they should be favored to, to win this game against Australia. Um, but I do wonder what kind of lineup decisions uh, Vlaco is going to make based on what he saw in the first couple games. Uh, you know, we talked about this in the last section, but particularly in the back line, um, I think Emily Sonnet did a, a pretty good job today at right back filling in for Kelly O'Hara, but I do expect O'Hara to come back. Um, certainly Crystal Dunn is kind of locked in at, the, at that left back, uh, despite the fact, as we all know, that she's not a natural left back and, and could potentially be more effective uh, up top. But um, it's that center back spot that I'm really watching in terms of who Vlaco starts. Um, Amy, do you see him going back to Dahlkemper and Sauerbrunn, the usual duo, or does Davidson get a start and a chance to prove that, that she's the best option going forward? I think it would be a massive gamble to go with Davidson just because like that partnership between Dahlkemper and Sauerbrunn has won the World Cup. Um, it is the most experienced. It is, you know, two well-recognised centre-backs in the world as two of some of the most reliable centre-backs, even if Dalkemba hasn't had the greatest start to his tournament. I think it would be a, a sort of massive gamble to change that in such a big game, you know, when they're trying to progress as best they can to the to the knockouts. Um, yeah, I think if he were to pick Davison and it were to backfire, you can imagine um, the sort of stick he would get for that. So I would be surprised to see him not choose Salbron and Dalkemba. I don't know about you. Yeah, yeah, I think I think so too. Um, you know, for the first time in Vlaco's tenure as head coach, he opened himself up to some real criticism after the Sweden game, and I think that after today, that'll die down a little bit. But certainly, if he takes a gamble like that and it doesn't pay off. Um, now all of a sudden he's in a whole new level of hurt in terms of his position and and all of the good work that he's done since taking over can potentially just go out the window if this tournament doesn't end up the way that we all kind of anticipated it would. Um, so yeah, I, I think that he'll go back to his usual back four. Um, it's it's hard for me to see Julie Ertz and Rose Lavelle not starting this game. So again, we have this... This issue that we mentioned earlier in the show of does he start does he start Mewis or does he start Haran there in the midfield? Um, I think Press comes back into the lineup. I think Alex Morgan also comes back into the lineup. So again, it's between uh, Rapino and Heath for that that third forward spot. But you know, today the second game was when we expected to see rotation, and and there was there were five changes. And based on the pattern that the U.S. has followed in previous tournaments for that final group game, they're going to go back to just about a full-strength lineup. And, and, and so that's what I would expect to see against the Australians. Yeah, I think, like you say, the only sort of two possible tweaks will either, well, possible ones that are up in the air would be Iran or Mewis, and then Heath or Rapino. I think with Heath and Rapino, you know, it, it might come down to how is Heath looking how is she feeling about the amount of minutes she's played? Um, that kind of thing. Because with Heath and Rapino, you're getting two wingers that are both massive threats. Like, if you bench one, it's not really going to affect you in a massive way because you can bring the other one on as a 
wonderful super sub. Um, you got two really, really good options there. And then Haran and, and Mewis is probably a bit tougher to decide, but it might come down to, yeah, I mean, the certain strengths of each of them and where he sees them, um, especially with Australia, like I say, not having a real solid defensive midfielder in there, which one of them he thinks would be the better one to do their midfield runs and break through that that midfield. Yeah, and the U.S. is looking at a second-place finish, which would see them potentially draw either Netherlands or Brazil in the quarterfinals. And I, I want to touch on this Group F a little bit uh, because it's been completely nuts so far. Um, the score lines have been... 5-0, 10-3, 3-3, and 4-4. Uh, today, Brazil and Netherlands tied 3-3 um, in what, what what people are calling the game of the tournament so far, um, and then China and Zambia, 4-4, in another candidate for game of the tournament. Um, you know, what, what have you seen from this group so far, and, you know, should the U.S. be be concerned about um, a possible quarterfinal game against uh, – what? what looks likely to be Brazil, but could even be the Netherlands. I mean, I think the story of this group so far has been Zambia and has been Barbara Banda, who has been amazing. I mean, today she scored a second hat-trick in her second ever Olympic game. She's 21. Um, nobody has ever scored two hat-tricks in the women's football tournament in the Olympics, like in one tournament. There's Cristiano scored two in two different tournaments. Like nobody's ever scored more than two, so that's pretty crazy. She's been yep. amazing. Um, Zambia as a team in general, like some of the other attackers around her, like Grace Chanda, has has been fantastic too. So that's been really cool. Uh, Wang Shuang as well made history today, four goals for China. Um, she was amazing. Um, people might remember her from a short spell in PSG uh, a couple of years ago. And, yeah, she was on fire. That was just a ridiculously fun sort of match to watch as a neutral. Not really helpful for either team. Both got a point. Doesn't really help them try to progress. Um, Zambia should have won, really. But then the Netherlands-Brazil game. And I'm torn on this game as to whether it was these two sort of gold medal candidates going toe-to-toe and putting on this amazing game, or whether it was two teams that, kind of showed the flaws that will hold them back from winning gold. Um, it was, yeah, there was some defensive mishaps, some strange goalkeeping at times, some, yeah, it was it was a wild game, as you can tell by the scoreline. I think the, the biggest concern for the Netherlands in that game was the fact that Vivian Miedemar went down towards the end, laid on the ground and did not look very happy with how she was feeling I think holding a knee perhaps um that could be a concern but I've never seen Vivian Miedemar injured in my life I've seen her play on through everything so um I think the Brazil possible draw is probably it is a little bit daunting because they've got Dabinha who's been playing really well they've got Marta who's chasing down not only um you know her first ever gold medal but she's also chasing down this this all-time top goal scorer feat, which is one goal within now at the Olympics. So they do have their threats, but they are a bit chaotic in defence at times. And obviously we've seen them a lot against the US at the She Believes Cup and they will know everything that Brazil are about. And I think the Netherlands would be a tougher draw than Brazil, but 
like I say, they've got so much star quality that can change a game that you can't not be worried about playing against Sabina when your defense is looking a little bit shaky. Yeah, definitely. And uh, yeah, Zambia, you know, we touched on in the preview show that no one really knew what to expect from them. They're ranked somewhere in the hundreds in the FIFA World Rankings. I think people were talking about them like if they score a goal, you know, it'll be a good tournament for them. And they just go and score seven goals in their first two games um, and, and give a really solid China team all they could handle today. And as you mentioned, probably should have won. So um, they've been great to see. And of course, Barbara Banda has also been great to see. Uh, she plays in China now and hopefully, um, you know, she can get a, a move to a, to a, a league where we can watch her a little bit more. But um, Amy, I think as you mentioned, she's uh, on a decent salary there uh, in China. So it might be hard to get her out of there. Yeah. It'd be, um, I think there was a lot of people on Twitter today like uh, get Barbara Banda to the WSL, but I know the, the new Brexit transfer rules uh, mean that's absolutely impossible to happen. But yeah, maybe she'll pop up. I know she was in Spain before she went to China um, and she she spent a year or so there, learned a lot, moved to China, learned a lot more. Maybe she'd be looking for a new challenge, maybe looking for a new experience to develop a game. Yeah, and before we, we finish up, let's touch on Group E briefly um team gb um beats japan 1-0 today canada beats chile um you know for team gb the result was good um amy you watched this game and it wasn't exactly one that the neutrals are gonna remember for a long time no especially considering the scores of all the other games today um it was very scrappy um didn't really have the same flow uh i think gb looked a lot better when they brought caroline weir on um who was one of the players rotated out of the team from the win against Chile. Um, but, I mean, they're through to the knockout stages, so that's good. And they could probably rest a few players in the next game if they want to. Um, but that top spot is still up for grabs. Um, so we'll see how much they rotate. Yeah, definitely. It will be interesting to follow moving forward. And that is all the time that we have today. Um, once again, Thank you for listening, and please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We will be back on Tuesday following the U.S.'s final group stage game against Australia, and we will chat then. So once again, thank you for listening, and we will talk to you soon. All of us, the U.S. Women's Soccer Show from Goal. Find more U.S. Women's Soccer news and opinion on Goal. Goal.